0: i believe that content has the power to connect us all it's up to you how you use it listen in for genuine and insightful chats with guests as well as practical tools and strategies from me it's so lovely to have you here let's dive into the show Hello hello beautiful people and welcome to episode 69 of the Powerful Content podcast. Today I have with me Tracy Mylacrane from TM Solicitor. Now Tracy is an unconventional business lawyer delivering confidence for small business owners. She's all about Doing law differently. Now, Tracy founded her business with an empower ethos and a commitment to educate and empower small business owners to back themselves legally. Tracy's vision is to shift the business landscape by lifting the confidence of owners and entrepreneurs to build long term sustainable businesses. Now, Tracy works with time-tight business owners and entrepreneurs to navigate their obligations, minimize their risk, and manage any legal roadblocks so that they can focus on driving their business with confidence and peace of mind. Welcome to the podcast, Tracy. Oh, Mel, thank you so much for having me and thank you for such a glowing introduction. (laughs) Now, in this introduction, you use the term or I use the term empower ethos and it's just really, really intrigued me. So I went and did a little bit of research, a little bit of stalking and found out that this to you means that you're really committed to using the law as a tool to educate and empower the business owners and specifically to protect their impact and legacy. And it's those two words that really, really hit home for me, Tracy, to protect impact and legacy. Because I think that as busy business owners, we're usually really focused on that day-to-day running of our business. And don't take the time to step away and look towards the future and what we're actually protecting. And I think that that really particularly rings true with the legal side of your business. We don't really think about it until there's a problem, right? And rather than being proactive and being forward-thinking, we tend to wait until the issues arise. So, I'd really love to know a little bit more about your journey and how you got to this place of implementing the Empower ethos in your business.
1: That's such a fabulous question, Mel, and thank you for asking that. You have just hit the nail on the head, which is what you said around business owners leaving the legals alone. So there's so many things and we're wearing all the hats and the legals just sit there. And, you know, when you think of lawyer or solicitor, And I've done polling on this. Most people think, oh, you know, boring. I don't even know what they do. And how does that apply to me? And, oh, yes, that's the old fellow that did my parents' will. You know, all of those (laughs) nuances around nothing inspiring. I wanted to flip that on its head. And the reason for that is because earlier in my career, so for the first 12 years of my career, I spent all my time in litigation and dispute resolution. So what that meant was back in the the days when I was single and you have no life outside of work and you basically, you're consumed, your existence is consumed by your work. And that was fine back then. But all I did was spend all my time, all day, every day in court or mediation or arbitration acting for people who were suing or being sued, business owners. And it was mostly all about the money. But what I can say hand on heart is most of what I saw back then could have been avoided. So I saw businesses lose values, businesses destroyed, marriages destroyed, livelihoods lost. I had one particular example that I share, a gentleman sit across my office desk from me breaking down in tears because he needed to go home and tell his wife that he just lost the family home. Mm. All of that can be avoided. Well, almost. Nine out of ten cases that I acted on could have been avoided if those business owners hadn't known what it is they needed to do and if they had have done things differently. So I've taken all of that and I've packaged all of that knowledge up and I've also packaged up the knowledge that I have around what people really associate the traditional lawyer with. I have flipped it on its head and I've created a business model where I quite genuinely am committed to educating and empowering business owners to know what it is they need to do. And to teach them how to do it and work with them to do it so they can set themselves up so they don't need to call a lawyer like me later so that they don't end up being one of those clients that I acted for over more than a decade, suing or being sued in their business. It doesn't have to be that way. And what I do now in a really unique way, so my business model is virtual, as you know, you don't need to pay a fortune to come and sit in front of me at my salubrious office with my fancy desk and all my certificates on the wall. Just for the privilege of me saying to you, this is what I need to do to help you. And then you have to get in your car and go away again. I don't do that. And what I've discovered is people don't really care about that. I don't know that they ever did. It's just that's the traditional model. So now I act for small business owners who really do have an appreciation that they need to set themselves up properly for long-term sustainable success. The questions that I get asked most of the time is, Tracy, I don't know what I need. I know I need something, teach me, tell me, work with me. What do I need? And I love that clean slate approach. And that's what I do. So yeah. really is grounded on empowering people.
0: Yeah. And I love that ethos. I really do, Tracy, because I think it's so important as business owners and most of us and most of my listeners as well are solopreneurs. So it's just them. It's just them. And sometimes they have to wear all the hats and wearing all the hats means sometimes you don't do all the things very well. So having someone outside of their business that can really give them a different perspective, especially from a legal standpoint as well, is really going to help them. So I think that giving them the tools to make sure that they can continue to Doing that. It's just not a one off, you know, a consultation with Tracy and and here's the solution to your problem and off you go. It's more about that ongoing empowerment as well, which I really love. So I feel like, Tracy, that risk is really a huge part of being in business, isn't it? Like, oh, it is.
1: It is. It doesn't. And it doesn't stop. It's not a, oh, I dealt with that tricky situation. Now my heart stopped. Oh my gosh, but I've dealt with it. And now I don't have to worry about it. again. It <laughs> yes. won't stop. It will keep happening. Exactly. So there's always decisions to make. There's always the laws to
0: abide by data to protect intellectual property, to think about all of those things. So I don't really think that we can ever get rid of risk altogether, but what are actually some ways that you might see risk arise in small businesses and, how do you help those small businesses to minimize
1: that risk? Yeah, great question. So let me start by just explaining what it is that I explain to my my clients. And the majority of my clients are small business owners who operate a service-based business. So we start by me explaining your risk mitigation strategy. So how do I protect myself from risk comprises three things. So there's three things that you need to really focus on. One is your business structure two is your insurance, and three is your legal documents. Most clients, particularly the solopreneurs, operate as sole traders. So when I'm talking business structure, I focus on sole traders and companies. There's others. We don't need to talk about that now. It's complicated and probably largely irrelevant for both of our audiences, Mel. You're either operating as a sole trader or you're operating as a company. A company gives you greater protection, asset protection, not everybody's in a position, though, where they're ready step into incorporating and operating as a company. So most of them are solopreneurs as sole traders, which means your personal assets are on the line. You are exposed. So if you do a job well, great. But if you don't, you're accountable. Think personal assets, your family home, your car, all of those things. That's exposed if something goes horribly wrong.
0: And I don't think, Tracy that a lot of people realise that, do they? That, you know, they just think that starting a business is all about having a laptop, you know, perhaps creating a couple of courses and off you go. But there is behind the scenes so much at stake.
1: There is. There really is, Mel, which is why we focus on these three pillars for your risk mitigation strategy. Because if you've done that, you've got your laptop and you've created a course or you're now a VA or, or you're a creative and you're doing some social media support, If something goes wrong for one of your clients, let's say you weren't able to deliver what it is you'd promised on time and a launch was delayed or a launch failed or a launch was impacted, for example, there's potential for you to be exposed there, not only for negligence, but for a loss of opportunity, loss of profit for that client, because the launch didn't go according to plan. It is complicated. I won't go any further, but that's just one example of the risk. Or a client asking for a refund. That's the most common. And scope creep. But I thought, Mel, you were doing this for me. We had this conversation and you said that. And all of those misaligned expectations, it's just there is no end to the circumstances that I could describe where risk arises for these small business owners, where their family asset savings are exposed. So we focus on business structure When someone says to me, I've spoken to my accountant, my business is not in a position yet where I'm ready to incorporate a company for asset protection, so I'm staying as a sole trader, fine. But we need to make sure that we have really strengthened the other two pillars of your risk mitigation. So your insurance... And your legal documents. Insurance is a no-brainer. It's a must-have. And for those clients that come to me and say, Tracy, I don't have any insurance. I just kind of started this business to give it a crack, to see how it went. And holy moly, I'm 18 months down the road, and now I've got all these clients. And insurance isn't just something that, sorry, it's just not something that came back to the top of the list. Hmm. No judgment, of course. I, I get it. I hear you. I get it. You're not alone. But Now is the time to reach out to a broker and get that insurance, not tomorrow, immediately now. We need to have insurance as service providers. Can't make it clearer than that, Mel. If you don't have it, you need it. Pick up the phone and have a conversation. If you need a recommendation to a broker, reach out to me. I can give you one. But it's not something you can afford to put off because this mindset that so many of us have these days, which is it won't happen to me. I'm not big enough. I'm not important enough. <sighs> Bless your heart. I hope it doesn't happen to you. But if it does, you will be in a whole world of pain if you don't have your risk mitigation strategy better down. Yes. Insurance is part of it.
0: So when you talk about insurance, Tracy, what for a service-based business, what kinds of insurance are we talking about? Because I know that there's all different sorts of insurance out there. So what should be their main focus, do you think?
1: Their main focus needs to be public liability and professional indemnity. And I have clients who say to me, oh, but I just run my business from home. I don't go anywhere. My team are virtual, so they're remote. So much like myself, my team are remote. I've got people in all different places. So therefore, they think I don't need to have public liability insurance. Chances are you still do. Because if my EA jumps into the car to go and buy something from Office Works or go to the post office or do something else which is work-related and she has an incident, that gets covered under my public liability insurance. So we need that. That's just an example. Professional indemnity, which goes to the example I gave just a moment ago about if you've done something for a client or failed to do something for a client, failed to meet those expectations and something's gone wrong, and the client comes back to you and says, but you didn't do this properly, you were negligent, for example that's where your professional indemnity insurance will come in. So we all need that. It doesn't need to be huge. It's not a huge expense. It doesn't need to be you know, $20 million professional indemnity. It doesn't need to be something astronomical, but it does need to cover you for the nature of the services that you're doing, which is why I tell my clients, please speak to a broker. Please speak to a broker to make sure you're getting it right because otherwise you can go online and buy a policy, but you've got no clue whether it's going to cover you for exactly what it is that you're doing. And unfortunately, you won't know until you need to rely on it and then you can be left in the cold. And we've all had that with our car. Mm. You know, you hit the garage or you you need a, a windscreen replacement or something like that and your insurance company will do everything they can to avoid paying out for you. Of mm. course they will. We all know that. Of course they do. So we need to make sure we have got crystal clear clarity on what we're covered for.
0: Brilliant. Love that. So to help us mitigate the risk, we're looking at our business structure, our insurance, and then the third was legal documents.
1: Legal documents. So let's talk about those. This is my jam. This is the part (laughs) that I can dive in and really help people on a really tailored and personal level. So as service providers, we have obligations to consumers, to our clients under the Australian consumer law. And not many people know that. Most people who come my way think that the Australian consumer law applies to the larger companies like Harvey Norman, for example. I've bought a toaster. It doesn't work. They have to give me a new one. Yes, they do. But it also applies to us as service providers. We have to be telling our clients certain things in a certain way before they decide to engage with us. And that point, the before they decide to engage with us, That's the area that I see most people fall down when it comes to using their business documents. Their systems and processes are not aligned with their legal obligations. Therefore, they're leaving themselves exposed. They're leaving themselves in a position where if they do have some terms or if they do have an agreement in place for their clients, because they haven't done what they need to do according to law, they're leaving themselves in a position where their documents aren't worth the paper they're written on. You can't rely on them. Yeah, and This is where I come in. So when we talk legal documents for a service-based business, there's three core documents that you need. Your client service agreement or your business T's and C's, whatever you like to call it. It can be an engagement letter, whatever you like to call it, but that's the agreement you enter into with your clients. Vital, vital document. You cannot afford to not have that in place properly tailored for you. And if you have a website, the other two core documents are your website terms and conditions and your privacy policy. Most of us have websites these days. I do get a few clients come across my desk who say, "Look, I don't have a website. I'm not interested. I'm just building my business on referrals. Horses for courses, that's fine. So we don't need to worry about their website T's and C's. But if you have a website, then you, you need to be focusing on your client service agreement, your website T's and C's and your privacy policy. They're your three. Those three, if, if that's all you ever do legally, you are good to go. If you get those three set up properly, you are good to go. From there, we talk about if you're growing your team, your employment agreements, your contractor agreements, those types of things. But for a solopreneur or small business owner who's operating and they don't have a team, those three documents are the documents you need in place to make sure you've got a really strong risk mitigation pillar, which is the legal documents arm of that risk mitigation strategy.
0: Fabulous. And I think that's a really great information for my listeners that they need those three things. So that was the client service agreement, or the T's and C's terms and conditions specifically website terms and conditions and a privacy policy. Now, obviously, all of these things really need to be set up, ideally, before you start business or at the start of your business journey. But I feel like a lot of business owners may not necessarily know about these things. So it's this, I I guess that this episode is great from the knowledge and education perspective. But I think that another thing that probably stops them is a perceived idea that it is quite costly, when in fact, we can't afford not to do it
1: right? Oh, absolutely. And you've Mm -hmm. taken the words right out of my mouth. So cost is one thing that's an objection that, that I do see come up a lot. Accessibility is another and lack of clarity around what it is I'm asking for. I've had clients come to me in tears saying, oh, I've gone to my family lawyer or, or whatever and I asked for a client service agreement and he told me I didn't need one or he told me this or he's given me this document and it's 42 pages and I feel sick in the stomach when I look at it and I don't know what it means or I have clients coming to me saying I purchased a template and that's when my stomach, my stomach sinks to the floor when I hear that. I say, oh, honestly... DIYs for bunnings, not for your legals. Keep it there. Templates will not cut it. You don't know what you don't know. And again, we've probably all heard the saying, buy cheap, buy twice. So if we're cost sensitive, as every business owner is is mindful of money, you don't want to have to pay again. It's no good having something that's effectively useless. And that's what I find people find themselves in that position when they use templates. So don't. But that's it. Lots of people come to me two, three years into their business journey, saying either I've got nothing. Or I've cobbled something together from someone I knew and I've changed bits and pieces or someone gave me a template and this is what I'm using. And they're very transparent about it. No judgment. Absolutely no judgment. We all do the best we can at the time with the information we've got. But I look at it and think, holy moly. Not only does, does this not serve you, often it doesn't meet legal obligations and often it does nothing to instill confidence for clients because it lacks that clarity. So yes, cost is, it's a thing. Of course it is. Let's call it. But this is an investment that you make once. You don't have to keep doing it. And whilst I always say, please review annually. So your legal documents, your insurances, Review them annually. I've developed a checklist. It's on my website. It's free for small business owners for this very reason. Print it off, keep it there, download it, do what you do, cast your eye over it once a year, and then you know you've got everything up to date and current. So, with the cost, you do it once. And from there, it's just little tweaks and updates because it'll evolve and grow as your business evolves and grow. But you can't afford not to have it because. The cost of approaching a lawyer when something goes wrong with a client, a client wanting refunds, a client wanting to, or putting a claim or making an allegation against you that you failed to do what you promised to do and it's cost them money. Leave aside the word of mouth and the bad word of mouth. We all know the stats. An unhappy client tells way more than a happy client. Leave aside all of that. By the time you reach out to someone like me to say, hey, Tracy, can you help me? This is the tricky situation I've got with a client or my client won't pay my invoice. First thing I say is, where's your T's and C's? You don't have them? Okay. Where's all your emails with your client? Give me your version of what's happened. And straight away, the amount of time that it takes me to get across that so that I can help you, you've probably just spent what you would have spent if you had got your documents done properly in the first place. Don't want to be in that position with be the person who helps you set yourself up properly. So that you're having a smooth, sustainable, long-term business journey Mm. full of success rather than I need you to come and help me dig myself out of this big black hole, Tracy, because this is what's happened because that's so time consuming and that's far more expensive. And I don't see that as, that's not the value I want to be adding. Yes, I can do it and I can help you, but it's not pleasant for you. What is pleasant is getting on the front foot going, you know what? It's time. Let's have this conversation. Let's do it. And most lawyers, certainly we, will offer payment plans. So if you're in a situation where you'll say, I really want to do this, but can we we stage this? Have the conversation and always ask. Always ask what the costs are up front. Always ask what your payment options are. Always ask. Where there's a will, there's a way. I love that. Always ask, always ask.
0: And that will also help us get out of trouble in in the future. Now, I really love how you've said that, you know, if we think about... Like I, I know that we don't like to think that you know something negative will actually happen to us in the future, and sometimes we can bury our head in the sand around that. But being aware and having the knowledge and being empowered to use legals to our advantage, I think is a really important thing. So Tracy, we've spoken about how we can mitigate our risk. We've spoken about the legal documents that we can have inside of our business to help us mitigate those those risks in the future. I'd like to kind of maybe think about how we can practically implement these into our businesses. So what systems and processes do we need to have in place to be able to bring this knowledge to light?
1: Fantastic question. I love all things systems and processes. I'm so obsessed with organization, preparation, systems, processes, all the things. So when I work with a client, it's very rare that I work with a client one-off So I'm selective with who I work with. I make sure we're aligned and then I can add the value that's needed. So what that generally means is that it's a long-term relationship. I like to think of it. It's just a marriage made in heaven by the time we, we get to that point. So I'm able to support right from the initial conversation where we can distill exactly what it is that you need and get clarity around it, but then support in relation to your setup and your processes and systems to make sure all the things are happening at the right time. So for example, if we're talking creatives and you're a creative business and you issue proposals to your clients and they You wait for them to accept and then you might pop them into your CRM like Dubsado, for example, and you get them onboarded and you do the work. We need to make sure that your system or your process that you have set up complies with your obligations under the consumer law. So in that example, it would be you issue your proposal and at some point your client needs to have your client terms and conditions, so your service terms and conditions or whatever you want to call it. So they need to have those so that they can review them to consider whether they want to work with you. From there, they lock themselves in, you issue an invoice and they pay. What happens too often is people will issue a proposal. They'll say, here's my terms and conditions. You have to pay a deposit and there's no refunds. And they think that that's okay, but I'm here to tell you it's not. It's inadequate. It's not okay. You can't do it that way. That's not terms and conditions but they'll issue a proposal. The person will say, yes, please go ahead. They issue an invoice, it gets paid, and then they might issue a contract or they might issue some terms or nothing. But that's all mucked up in the timing of it. So if something goes wrong, not only are we lacking clarity here, it doesn't matter what it is that you've given them, it will be set aside as unenforceable because they haven't had an opportunity to review what it is that they need to know before they say, yes, please. So I set my clients up most often with proposal, which is read in conjunction with some terms and conditions that we develop. And I give advice on the proposal. I have a look at it, send it through. We talk about where things are going to go. We make sure all the things are in the right places. The client gets the proposal with the terms and conditions. The client says, wonderful, please go ahead. That is the point where the contract is formed. They had an opportunity to read them. They could say no if they wished. That's complying with the consumer law. They then proceed. They'll receive their invoice for their deposit. They pay it and they're on their merry way. From there though, You need to make sure that you're still acting consistent with those terms and conditions. You're issuing invoices as you're delivering, as you said you would. You're making variations or amendments, as you said you would, all consistent with what's in those terms and conditions. And we talk about all of that and it might sound a lot, but it's not. We can make it super simple and crystal clear so that the business owner is not burdened with additional admin. With these legal documents, there's no additional admin. We want to remove that. We don't want overwhelm. We want to make sure it's sustainable. We want to make sure that by the time we're finished developing these together, you know how to use them, what to do, when to do it. You've got team members, they can reach out and ask me questions. I'm not that lawyer that charges in six-minute increments. So if I read your email, I don't bill you $36 or whatever you you get from others. I don't do that. I'm more interested in making sure that everybody's empowered to know how to use this so your business is set up for success. So I see your systems and processes as just as vital as having the documents done in the first place.
0: Yeah, fabulous. So what it sounds like to me is not only do we need to understand the risks that can potentially damage our business, we also need to know how we can cover ourselves in the legal documents, but then in the right order to serve them to our client in terms of clarity and in terms of protecting ourselves from a legal perspective. So i I I don't want this. <laughs> I don't want this episode to feel like it's scaring people or feel like it's negative in any in any way. I think that the information that you've given us today, Tracy, really highlights the fact that we do need to be educated and we do need to empower ourselves to really understand what our obligations are and how we can mitigate any risks that do arise. So, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge today. I really, really appreciate that. Before we finish up, though, Tracy, I. I love to ask all of my guests about their
1: superpowers. What do you think is your superpower? Based on feedback I have gotten from my clients over the years, I would have to say it's cutting through the noise and making the complicated uncomplicated. So when it comes to all of these legal obligations and legislation and all the things you have to do, I have a way of just cutting through it. Making it crystal clear and simple in a way that business owners can understand and use that knowledge to implement and have themselves protected.
0: Perfect. And I think you've done exactly that today, Tracy. You've definitely imparted what could be a really complicated subject and really made it quite simple and easy for us to understand.
1: Before we finish up, do you have any final parting words of wisdom? What I would love listeners to take away from this episode, Mel, is there is no substitute for preparation. Don't wait. So if you're listening to this and you think, holy moly, I don't have a lawyer on my team or I don't have my legals in place, let this be your message. Let this be your little sign to pick up the phone and have a conversation or send that DM or or reach out to me. Ask the question. Let's have a conversation. Don't wait. You can't afford to wait. So I would love that to be the takeaway. Don't wait.
0: Fabulous. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Tracy, and sharing your wisdom with my listeners. I truly appreciate you being here. My pleasure, Mel. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening. That's it for another week. To get more powerful content in your life, make sure you're following along on socials. My handle is at meldbusiness. And just in case you're wondering, the groovy music for this podcast was created by Just Here on SoundCloud. I'd also be super grateful if you took a moment to rate and review this podcast so more amazing women like you can experience the power of content. And if you're like, Hell, Mel, stop talking. I'm ready to work with you now. Here's how we can work some powerful content magic together. Firstly, come and join the Content Effect, my membership inspiring women with service-based businesses to ditch the content chaos and start creating standout content that gets you noticed and makes sales. You can join us by using the link in the show notes or just Google the Content Effect. The second way we can work together is via my one-on-one packages. We can create a sustainable content strategy or start to build out your client journey. It's up to you. Hop on over to meldbusinessservices.com.au forward slash services to find out more. Until next time, have a beautiful week and embrace the power of your content.